Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Chapter 1, I want to encourage you also, please, to um, hold your place in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we'll be jumping over to that chapter toward the end uh, of the message. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23 is where we'll pick up at the end. But we will start in Exodus chapter 1 and read the first seven verses, pray and unpack, uh, begin to unpack a summary. So before we read, uh, the purpose of this message tonight is really to get our footing. Uh, anytime that I, I, God lays on my heart to preach through a book or to preach through a portion of a book, either way, it's important that we spend some time, at least in the first message, to understand a little bit of history, understand some of the characters we're going to see, and then toward the end of the summary is really grasp the, the big picture application for us that, that, we, that we get out of, out of these passages. You'll find in chapter 1, actually through even verse chapter 18. Now, don't freak out on me yet, that's a lot of chapters. Um, but one thing that I have found that many, many times um, when Scripture is taken out of context, and, and I've seen this done many times, many preachers will make the choice to take a text, a little short piece of passage, and make it a proof text of what will preach good. You know, I've, I've heard that many times. Well, that'll preach. And sometimes what they're saying that'll preach is nowhere really in the context of what they read. We don't ever want to be guilty of that. We want to preach what's in the text. All right, that's why God put it there. And uh, so, so and one, one way I have found a way that keeps us intact of the context and seeing a really a complete narrative here in the full story is preaching through books, expositional preaching. And uh, I think it's one of the best kinds of preaching. And so tonight we're going to embark on a journey of doing that very thing of preaching through the leaving or the exiting out of Egypt, and um, this is probably maybe even one of the favorite stories or account. I like saying the word story because oftentimes it gives a negative connotation like it's a fable or a fairy tale, but it's a historical account of the providence of God. That's what it is, and so uh, we're going to embark on a summary sermon tonight of what to expect before we really start unpacking this verse by verse, all right? So Exodus chapter 1 and verse 1. All right, God's Word says this. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben. These, some of these things might be familiar to you. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin. Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, and all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died 
and all his brethren, and all the generations. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Alright, let's pray. Father, we tonight the objective, Lord, is to get our bearings and our footing on what to expect. The great story of, of the event, the exodus that you did with, with your power, uh, with your sovereign hand. And Lord, I am just standing in awe of what we are going to learn. Um, the fact that we will see how dependent all of humanity has always been, truly, whether they admit it or not, they are. And I know we're going to see your mighty hand in this account, in, in Scripture. Father, help us in this journey to know you. That is the purpose of your word, is that we may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. So, Father, help us to do that. Every page is another light switch that is turned on that illuminates your person and character. Father, help us to see more of you tonight. Help me, Lord. I can't do this without you. I am dependent on your power and guidance. And I pray tonight that each soul that is listening, whether tonight or any time listening to this message, I pray they not treat it as a lecture or just another time that a preacher is going to preach, but a time that you have something to say to us for our good and for your glory, and that we leave here changed, not the same, but changed. And I pray all of this in Christ's wonderful heavenly name, amen, amen. So Exodus, the name actually meaning the way out, the way out. You look out through history, even in your own life, you would probably say that God has always provided a way, amen. Actually, Christ says, I am the way. And you're, all, you're going to see that from cover to cover, that God is always the best way. Amen? To move forward. And really, the path for every believer and every child of God should be forward. That was God's plan and desire for His children, His chosen people in the Old Testament here, was to move forward. Now, Exodus means the way out. All right? And you're going to find that in the Old Testament really tells the story of the redemption of blood and by power. Um, the big picture or the overall summary picture you'll find in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11. It just, it just summarizes it right there for us. And we'll turn to that shortly. But what you're going to see a lot in the Exodus is really a lot of, of typology and picture of what Christ was going to come and do for the lost. Amen? You're going to see throughout the Exodus that it, all, it had to be God's working and God's working alone for them to exit out of bondage. It, it had to be by a blood atonement for the death angel to pass by their home and then not pay the penalty uh, of the firstborn dying. You're going to find that, that, that the that the children of God actually did exit out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of oppression, but it wasn't by anything that they could do, but it was simply by the only thing God could do. Amen? And what you're going to find as we look at this, keep in mind, think about Calvary, think about Christ, and think about what He did for us. You'll see that painted throughout the book of Exodus here that we'll be looking at. 
Now, I want to draw your, your attention, as many would claim, as the key verse uh, to even the entire book, actually, of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2. I'll give you a second to turn there. Turn there just for a second, if you would. Um, chapter 20, verse 2. God's desire is that we know Him. You may know Him as Savior, but how much are you spending time in your life to know Him? Alright? And this is, we find really a key verse here, chapter 20, verse 2. I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. That's God's plan, really His salvific plan, is to bring lost people in bondage, out of bondage that they're in. And here, this is physical bondage that we see, but we find it's very much a picture of the depravity of man and how man needs Christ to come out of bondage of his sin. So God wanted them to know Him ultimately. You're going to find that not only did God say that I will get honor at a Pharaoh, but really and truly He wants to reveal all of Himself, not just to Pharaoh, but to Moses, to the children of Israel, and really to everyone that comes in contact with this story. He wants them to know who He is. And I will tell you this, you'll only benefit in knowing more of who He is. Amen? So Exodus, the way out. I want us to look at three things tonight um, in getting just a summary of, of this series. Alright, so number one, we want to look at the historical setting. The historical setting of this book, specifically of the exiting out of Egypt. Alright, now... Sometimes a lot of stories, if you will, will say, well, it all began, or in the beginning, or once about, you know, a lot of stories say, it's, it's, this is the beginning. Well, this right here is not a new story, all right? This is the beginning of the book of Exodus, but it's not a new story. This is really a, a continuation of a story that was going on, uh, a, a, a real life progression, all right? So this isn't the beginning, it is the continuing. So it's not a new story. Story. Now, as you look at these first seven verses, it tells us that. It said that, of course, Joseph was already in Egypt, uh, but you'll find that out of Jacob's loins, there was a family of 70. Y'all remember Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Jacob, you'll find God used him, and we see a generation of 70 that came into Egypt. Of course, Joseph added to that, he was already there. Now Joseph was the 11th son, right? He was the 11th son of Jacob. And y'all remember, y'all remember the story of Joseph. Joseph, as you know, was very favored by his father. And Joseph was not very favored by his brothers. Okay? You'll find that they envied him. Really, they would even be boldly say that we hate him. You know, they, they had a lot of malice toward him. So, just to summarize it, we know that they, they conspired together to kill him. Well, they didn't kill him. We find that later on that he's sold into uh, slavery, into a caravan that was passing by. Goes to Egypt, or always down into Egypt. You'll find they always go down into Egypt. Sold to Potiphar. We find that he, he arose to power. Then he was accused of, of, of having a an intimate relationship, or really in a sense of, of, of raping his wife, and he was falsely accused and was put in prison. 
He was there for a while, forgotten for a while. And then, by God's providence, uh, we find that he was brought out of prison. Uh, He was a second command under Pharaoh. A famine came. And God used Joseph to save his entire family from starving to death. We find through Joseph, you see God's providential hand all the way up in the lineage carrying on all the way up to Christ. That was happening even here. And so we find that in that time, there was a Pharaoh, there was Potiphar, we know he loved Joseph. He loved him and his family so much, he invited his family to stay in the haven of Egypt. All right, So there to prosper and enjoy the wealth of Egypt. However, that Pharaoh died, right? He died, as you'll find in in verse 8, there arose up a new king over Egypt which knew not Joseph. Now, you'll find that since the moment of Abraham, of Abraham's calling, exactly his his calling, up to this moment, there was 400 years had passed. All right, just some information for you. 400 years had passed since the calling of Abraham. Alright, so this is not a new story, this is a continuation. Secondly, I want you to see that the book of Exodus is divided into two divisions. The first division is the division we're really going to be looking at. Alright, the first division is the Exodus of Egypt. That's from chapter 1 to chapter 18. The second division is really the covenant of Mount Sinai. And that's from chapter 19, you follow on through chapter 40. Now, the first division is what we want to focus on in this series of sermons. Now, let's, let's talk about Egypt for a second. Egypt was full of idolatry, all right? Was full of idolatry. And, of course, behind any idolatry, there is Satan, right? He is the author of, he's the author of lies. He is the author of anything that is against the Lord. Now, centuries had passed, and the children of Israel had multiplied. As you'll look, and this is a, the wonderful thing, what God is doing, he's keeping his covenant to Abraham, you'll find as they were being persecuted, as they were being whipped, and they were under harsh labor, did they die out? No, they began to flourish, they began to grow, they began to multiply and replenish. They began to be fruitful and multiply. You see that in verse, as you go on and look in verse, uh, um, I think it's on in, in chapter 1, as they were being persecuted, they kept on growing and growing. Now why is that? Because God had a plan, a salvific plan of bring, carrying out a lineage and a promise through Abraham. The world will be blessed by your seed. The gospel will come to be. Christ will come from your loins and the gospel will continue. And that's very true. That, that has really been fulfilled. And so here we find that Abraham's family is growing. And what, let me just say this. Here is a, here is a great truth. No, there is no king, no president, nor evil that can ever stop God's plan for His glory. Amen? And you're going to see that in the book of Exodus, in, in, um, in these, these chapters. Now, this Pharaoh was not like the other one. He, he didn't see the, God's people as, as a blessing like his previous, uh, the previous Pharaoh did. He actually saw the growing Israelites as an enemy, as overpowering, as getting bigger, uh, than he was. And so, you know, he thought, I'll take care of them. I will put them under harsh labor. This Pharaoh was, I would say, the epitome of sin. I mean, for instance, the murdering and the killing of baby boys was okay with him. I mean, that was, that was the atmosphere of Egypt. That was who was ruling at the time. All right? 
But God responded and brought Moses to be. He had a plan for Moses, and he would lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land. You'll find that Moses, in in a summary in a sense, uh, he faced resistance. God sent plagues. We know that Pharaoh did let them go, but he chased them to the Red Sea. We know that God drowned those, uh, that army, proving to them ultimately that God is greater than Egypt and greater than Pharaoh. And so we see the historical setting of all of this. This is a continuation. Joseph and his, his, his immediate family had died, but the Israelites were flourishing. God's plan was continuing. All right? Now, secondly, we want to dive into some characters. Dive into to some characters. Character introduction, I'll call it. First of all, what I want us to see tonight is be introduced to the great I Am. Now, can someone tell me who the great I Am is? The Lord. God. Alright, the great I Am. Now, if you would, go with me to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And... We find that God, the great I Am, spoke to, which was Abram. Abram at the time, of course later on become Abraham. But in Genesis 15 and verse 12, God tells Abram about what's going to happen, which is what we're reading about in Exodus. Um, Genesis 15 verse 12 through 14 says this, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram and said, Lo, uh, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for Reflection, um, looking back, Deuteronomy chapter 4 and uh, verse, verse 20. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 20. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt. Now notice this. To be unto him a people of inheritance as ye are this day. You see, God's purpose of having a salvific plan, God's purpose of bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, God's purpose in providing salvation to a lost and dying world, all of that is for an inheritance for himself. That that is God's grand purpose, as he said there, to be an inheritance as you are this day. Isn't that just a, isn't that an amazing thing to think about, that God would think of me, I know he was talking exactly to the Israelites there, but we are grafted in by Christ. 
We are joint heirs with Christ, sons of Abraham, in that way. That we are an inheritance of the Lord. That is why God is with us, Emmanuel. We just, we just celebrated because we are an inheritance for him. He didn't deliver them out of exit, out of Egypt because they were a better people than somewhere else uh, of other people. He told them in Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's not because you're a grander nation, but it's because I've chosen you to be an inheritance for me. And folks, that is, an, that is a wonderful thing to know, that he sent Christ for us that we may be an inheritance for him. The God of heaven, the, the creator God. Is that, I mean... You may say, well, I mean, that's, that's bigger than being an inheritance for the president or some pharaoh or some king. We're talking about creator God. We're talking about the king of kings and the Lord of lords here. Understand this is why God works the, the work that he does through scripture and even today is that he would bring us to be an inheritance for him. That is an amazing soul-stirring truth about the Lord. So the great I am. Now, he's been known for centuries as Jehovah in the Old Testament. Jehovah means to be or to become, all right? That you will be my people and I will be your God, right? And so that is what he is working out here from Abraham on is this people. He's explained himself as the self-existing, the one that has always existed, does exist, and will continue to exist, the one that they will learn to depend on completely, he wants them to know that if they're going to breathe, eat, or sleep, or have good health, or make it to the land of promise, it's going to be by him and him alone. All right? We can learn a lot from that today, right? The only way that we can continue living is by the Lord. The only way that we can ever make it to heaven is by Christ and Christ alone. I mean, there's so much truth for us in Exodus that we can see. Jesus actually said in... Um, uh, in John chapter 6, if you'd humor me just for a second, turn to John. You know, God told uh, Moses there, because Moses said, I don't even know your name. Now, who am I going to tell him that sent me? And what did he tell Moses to tell him? Tell him that I am sent you. All right? Now, in John, go to the New Testament, John uh, chapter 6, notice what Jesus says about himself. Uh, John chapter 6 and uh, verse, 30, uh, verse 35. Verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. I believe Jesus is just as equally the great I am as the Father is, as equal as the Holy Spirit is, because they are one. Uh, John 8, 12. Turn over there. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Notice what he says. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follow me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I am the light of life. And John 15 and verse 1. And then we're going to go back to Exodus. John 15 and verse 1. Notice what you all know these verses. I know you do. But notice what Christ says. We see the equality of Christ in the New Testament as we see his ministry is equal to God in the Old Testament. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Folks, I'm telling you, the great I am is made up of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? They are equal. 
The I am exists today. The I am is the author and the finisher of my faith. Moses would also soon learn that Jehovah would be, become everything he would need when he needed him to be it. Remember when Moses, Moses is going to say, God, I'm not a good speaker. God, I just don't think I can do it. I'm going to stutter. I'm going to stammer it. You're going to find through this story that every time Moses may have had a doubt about himself, God made up the difference. God became Moses' everything when Moses needed him to be that. And every character in the Bible, in, in this Bible account, is going to really learn who God is. They're all going to learn more about the great I am. So not only the great I am we're going to see, but the people of the I am. The people of the I am. Now the people uh, go from being seen as a great blessing to a great threat. Now we've talked about that already. So the people here are in bondage. They're in slaves. They're building great things. Now some people say, did they build the pyramids? No, they didn't build the pyramids. They were already there. You'll find, you go back to Exodus, you'll find in chapter 1 and verse uh, 11 that they built treasured cities there. So this Pharaoh was oppressing them, putting them under his thumb, putting them where he wanted them. So that's what they were doing, building treasured cities there. You'll find that in verse 11. But remember, these were descendants of Jacob. Now, the people of the I Am. Please don't forget about this. This speaks to the power and the magnitude of God. They entered into Egypt. Jacob, a group of 70, came into Egypt, right? But there have been in studies and conservative estimates of how many people actually exited Egypt. Are you ready for this number? This isn't exact, exact, but this is a conservative number that many would agree on this. 2.1 million people left Egypt. Don't that speak to God carrying out His plan? Does that speak to what God can do? And when sometimes we'll, we'll go around and doubt God what He can do in our own life. I want you to see that God provides always a way. It doesn't matter how big the mountain is. It doesn't matter how big the struggle may be. It doesn't matter the task or what resources that may be required or the time that's needed. God can move any mountain. God can make a way. Not only individually, but corporately as a church, we always need to remember that. You may think, well, I don't know God has set this plan in front of us to do this as a church. Oh, but I don't know if the resources will be there. I don't know if, if we've got enough to, to do it. But listen, if God has a plan and reveals a plan, he makes a way for the plan. God told, God told the serpent there in Genesis that your head's going to be bruised by my son, right? Put enmity between Satan and the seed of a woman. This was part of carrying that out. Taking a people, edge them out to carry out the genealogy that Christ would come from. What an amazing truth. The people of the great I am. Remember that conservative number, over two million. Keep that in mind. And then, and then thirdly, the servant of the I am. And who would that be? Who would be the great servant, the leader here God's going to use? Moses, right? Moses. Moses is going to come on the scene. Now Moses' life was divided up into three 40-year periods, all right? Divided up into three 40-year periods. The first 40 years, you're going to find he spent in Pharaoh's palace in Egypt, all right? In Pharaoh's palace. you find in Pharaoh's palace, he had great wealth, he had a great education, he had all these things there at his fingertips. The next, you're going to find, the next 40 years, he spends in the desert of Midian, all right? And then you're going to find 
40 years in the wilderness as a leader of Israel. So we find three, three divisions of Moses' life through the entire book of Moses. Now, now let me throw this at you. Moses had a grand education, an earthly education, very smart, intelligent. But apparently it wasn't, all of his credits didn't transfer to what God wanted to do with him. You see, he had, a, he had an education of Egypt, but, but now he was, he, was, he was signed up for a BOD degree, or also known as a backside of the desert degree. Uh, he went from Egypt to the wealth and prosperity to the backside of the desert to learn how to be a servant of God. And I will tell you this, maybe many of us have been in those moments on the backside of the desert. Rest assured, if you find yourself there, knowing that God's preparing you for a great purpose for His glory. Amen? And that's what he did with Moses, as, as we will see through this story, through this account. So after 40 years, you'll find God sent Moses back to Egypt to assemble elders of Israel to confront Pharaoh. So we see these characters. We, we've, seen, we've seen the current Pharaoh. Uh, we've seen the great I Am, the people of the I Am, and the servant of the I Am. Now lastly, what I want us to see is over in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Alright? So it's important that we've covered this ground. The history, the, the setting, the atmosphere, the conditions of the people and the characters that's going to be introduced. And what, how they're going to be used for God's glory. And, and we've touched a little bit about how all of this pictures the soon coming Christ from this point. The soon coming or in our context, the already come, the, already one, the one that's already come and provided salvation for us. We see a grand picture that's going to be displayed, a type and a shadow. But here, let's look at the summary uh, in verse 23. Number three, the big picture. The big picture. The, this, this right here is where I want us to grasp some practical things for you to take home with you. For you to grow, for you to uh, put in your heart and mind as you leave tonight. So the big picture. First of all, I want us to see in verse 23, you see faith over dangers. Faith over dangers. Could use a lot of phrases to, to talk about this point, but let's look at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. For just quick summary, we understand that there was, as I said, this new pharaoh, baby killing, was fine with him. He wanted to minimize, thin out the Israelites. He told the midwives of Egypt, he said, now you go, and, and if, 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 if this, if this uh, uh, Israelite bears a son, you're to kill it. If it's a female, you can let it live. Well, the midwives feared God, as we'll learn later, and they allowed the, the children to live. But you find, I believe, that closer and the closer, pharaohs... Pharaoh's uh, 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 um, uh, power and his, his, his constricting force was getting closer to Moses' home and Moses' parents. We find follow the leadership of the Lord. And I would like to think they remember back to Noah. They remember back to the story about Noah and they made an ark and they did put Moses in a very dangerous situation. The Nile River, crocodile infested place, but they built him a little baby ark. And allowed that ark was between him and the waters of death. Just like in Noah's day, that ark was between them and the waters of death. And you'll find that God made a way out 
for Moses to later make a way out of God's people. God always makes a way. But faith over dangers, you see the parents. You've got to be thankful for parents that puts God first over even the dangers that may come to them. That's, what, that's, the, that's the parents of Moses. They defied the danger and they did, not, they did not cast God aside, but they put, God, they put their son in God's hands. Now, you go on and read a little bit further. Notice what Moses does. We say he, in verse 24, By faith, Moses, when he had come to use, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to affliction, suffer the affliction with people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin uh, for a season. It goes on to say, in verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. What you're going to find here, faith over dangers, Moses followed, at a, come to a point of years, followed the pattern of his, of his family. And you'll find that he chose to put God over anything else. Now let me just, let me just say this. Moses had, had the throne there in front of him, had great wealth. The greatest riches you could dig out of the earth was there in Egypt. Now, you've got, you've got to entertain this thought tonight. You cannot tell me that Satan didn't come along and say, Hey, Moses, don't you worry about leaving Egypt. God could really use someone like you on a throne like that. Not saying that he did, but I would just think about how Satan works a lot of times in my own life. Oh, God could really, you see all this wealth, wouldn't it be, a, God could really use this kind of wealth and this kind of education for God's glory. Don't, don't follow that, that, little, that little call in your ear. Don't, don't follow that conviction that's happening in your heart. Don't, just push that aside. Here's what really God could use. Satan does that a lot of times. Satan would love for us to not follow God's plan and develop a plan for ourselves and just put for the glory of God on top of it. Right? Man has done it and man continues to do it. But I'm telling you, when God has a plan, it is the best plan for His glory. And you may not know exactly the fullness of the plan. There's a little mystery. But God is never going to lead you where He can't take you, where He will not help you and strengthen you to carry out what He wants you to do. And so I would, I would like to think Satan did work like that. I, I think he probably did. But aren't you thankful that Moses chose faith over danger? He chose faith over the wealth of Egypt. He chose faith over what would seem the logical way to help people. And he followed the Lord. And we'll get more into that story. But understand there was faith placed first in God over everything else. His parents did it and Moses did it. You'll find also that we find that Moses chose God's people over self-pleasure. Whoa, there's a lesson for a lot of us today. Amen? Choosing people over pleasure. Choosing God's people over pleasure. Look at verse 25. Choosing rather. Choosing over what? Not having a care in the world. Choosing uh, to please oneself. Choosing to... Live life in the area of comfort instead of living his life being conformed to God. Which is really our purpose, to be conformed to the image of God for the purpose of God. But Moses chose God's people over Egypt's wealth and prosperity. Moses knew. Now listen to this. 
Moses was learning and he knew how important his place and God's plan with God's people, how much that outweighed any wealth, any self-pleasure, any comfort, any life of leisure, that being with God's people for God's purpose outweighed everything. Now, can you honestly say that the majority of Christians live like that? I think it's evidence many times when we come and assemble that many Christians don't live like that. We can learn a lot from Moses. Moses, when he left Egypt, as we're going to learn, he didn't know exactly what God was going to do with him. But he knew there was a journey for him to follow, not to be where he is, but to be where God wants him. Moses was continually learning his place with God's people. And folks, may I, may I just say this to you? What you need to get out of that is simply this. You're important to the assembly of God's people. You're important to the growth of God's people. You're important to the spiritual welfare of God's people. And when we misplace ourselves out of, God, out of, the, the, out of God's people, we are hurting one another. We are crippling one another. 2021 needs a people that stick together, that pray together, that serve together, that worship together. Your place is important. You may say, oh, I know right now, Brother Josh, is being in a pew and, 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 and praying and, 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 and worshiping. And I don't know what else my place is. Just serve your place where God has you. If God wants to use you in a different way, he's going to tell you. Amen. We see that through Moses' life. Please know, follow Moses' patterns. You're going to learn. God has a place in amongst God's people for your good, actually for your best, and for his glory. Amen? There is a way. There always is a, there's always a way, and that's God's way, and it's always the best way. So people over pleasure. Lastly, what God's going to prove, uh, letter C, is really God over Pharaoh. God over Pharaoh. God over everything else. See, God told Moses, and Moses, I'm going to get honor from Pharaoh. The people of Egypt, even my own people, they're going to understand who... I am. I want them to know. And you're going to find when, when God drowned all the, the, the you know, Pharaoh's army there, honor was given to God. People had a, a better appreciation and respect and reverence of God. We're going to see that as we unpack this together. Everyone wholeheartedly knew that all power rested in God's hands. God's power for your life begins with salvation from sin's penalty, continues to salvation from sin's power, and one day will culminate uh, deliverance or salvation from sin's presence. Amen? God over Pharaoh. God is greater than all the idols in Egypt. God is greater than every king that was in Egypt. God is just, he's great. Amen? He's, he's, he's most powerful. He is preeminent. Exodus means the way out. And let me say this, and we're going to close. Don't misunderstand when we talk about Egypt and the Exodus. Sometimes people will say, oh, well, this, this area of your life, that's your Egypt. And God wants you to leave that Egypt. A lot of charismatic, a lot of seeker-sensitive preachers will, will begin to uh, preach that way. And God's desire is to physically deliver you out of everything that may discomfort your life. Wrong. 
Sometimes God very may well physically deliver you from something if he so chooses to do that. But there are many times the way out is not a physical way out. But sometimes the way out is just like he did for the Apostle Paul. He didn't remove a horn, but he gave him a stronger heart and a stronger mind by his grace to have his way out. The thorn was there. But he had the strength and the grace of God. That was God's way for, for, for Paul at that time. You may be going through some physical things. Something that may be uh, hard for you. God may allow you to stay there. But here's what he'll give you. He'll give you a heart to live through it. He'll give you a mind uh, to live through it. He'll give you a will to serve God while you're in it. That's also an exodus. Amen? Exodus is not always a physical deliverance. Sometimes the exodus is putting your heart and mind in heaven while your body is going through what it's going through on earth. So please don't misunderstand what we're going to be looking at. There is always a way out. Sometimes that way out looks differently depending how God gets the most glory. So let me ask you tonight. What way is God giving you right now with your life, what you're going through, where he has placed you for him to get the most glory? Is that the way you're walking? Is that the direction of your heart? Are you choosing faith in God? Even if it may be unknown, He's giving you one step, but it's one step that we should take. Are you taking that way? God's way. What an honest question. But a question nonetheless that we need to answer tonight. God's way. It's always before us. Are we following it? Let's stand to our feet. Father in heaven, we're going to ask... Miss Arb to come. Ask everyone to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Father in heaven, we approach your throne tonight, very thankful to take just a snapshot of what we're going to see in detail. Father, it is, a, it is an account of your power, your plan. The best that you have for us as your people. Help us to see all of you through this. And help us to understand even more this year. Of how we are completely dependent on you. In every way. In every way. So Father, there be someone here tonight that's maybe not following your way. The way you have for them in their Christian life. I pray tonight. That they would have found themselves following, placing themselves in that path. I pray tonight that if, if there's someone that's not saved, if, they, if they're not born again, if they've not put their faith alone in Christ alone. Christ is the only way unto eternal life. And I pray right now, if, if you are convicting and drawing them to you, I pray right now they would understand it's the day of their salvation. That they would place their depending, trusting faith alone in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And your word tells us you will have eternal life. You shall be saved. And I pray all this in Christ's name.